This is The Rush on News Talk 1010 Toronto. Welcome back. It is 435. My name is Mark Tui. You're listening to The Rush. It is time for our Smart Speakers panel, and we have a full house uh, today. Aaron Morrison's longtime political strategist and principal now at Morrison uh, Comms. Jamie Ellerton is founding partner at Canaptus and a longtime political strategist. And Scott Reed is CTV's political analyst, former advisor uh, to Prime Minister Paul Martin. Let's dive right in. Scott, I'm going to start with you. Uh, Housing Minister Sean Fraser talked with Canadian Press in a year-end interview. They've got a piece out today saying that, wait, there's more. Uh, There will be even more newness and improvedness in the uh, Liberal government uh, housing plan uh, coming at us in uh, 2024. So far, I've been reasonably happy with uh, the suggestions that have come out of the minister's uh, office. Uh, How much uh, better can it get? And uh, why is this something that he would be uh, teasing at this point in the year? Well, I like it a lot. And I think it's uh, a smart thing to signal that he's going to bring forward something that gathers together all of the many announcements that he's made and paves the way for what's to come. Like, I, I just think one of the things that this federal liberal Trudeau government is really, really, really bad at is communicating a sense of plan and persistence. It's kind of one-offs out of the blue, boom. Oh, we did that. Oh, we did this. It's a spilling dollars. They always seem to make the mistake of thinking that, The indication of importance is how big the dollar figure is on it. And, you know, I think that Sean Fraser has been a really, really capable minister of housing since he came in, in that he just consistently makes announcements, keeps trying to talk about a broader narrative. And I think the idea of saying, look, here, we're going to present a a bit of a unified field theory here that tells people that we got our arms around this thing. We understand what the problems are. We understand what the remedies are, and we're working toward them. I think that makes a lot of sense. Most people can't sort of decide, you know, does that headline announcement make sense or not make sense? Giving people a sense that you're on the job every day and that you got a plan and a program, that provides reassurance to folks. And so I think it's smart. I think he's been a like, frankly, I think he's been a bright star in a very dark sky for the Liberals in 2023. And so uh, I'm a big fan of it all. Jamie Ellerton, uh, one of the things that uh, Justin Trudeau has kind of focused most of his prime ministership on is ideology and sort of 70,000 foot, uh, wouldn't it be nice if values and fuzzy thinking. Uh, Scott Reed points out that Sean Fraser is bringing a lot of this uh, down to eye level. And if he can deliver on some action that actually results in houses being built, some wartime housing action force, uh, I think that could actually be a good thing, one for Canadians, but could perhaps turn around some of the Liberals' political fortunes. What do you think? Yeah, this is, I think, is definitely the era, the issue of our of the era we find ourselves in. I think for, for Sean Fraser, uh, I think Scott's right from a comms exercise that this is good for the government to kind of wrap everything together and, and lay out what's going to go from going forward. But I also think for this to have credibility and to not just be yet another announcement of another plan that's going to be a PDF document that collects digital dust in some digital drive, uh, there's going to have to be some humility to show what's not worked and how they're going to overcome some of the challenges. We know some jurisdictions, municipalities or provinces 
are more growth oriented and more growth friendly, where others continue to resist. And the NIMBY forces, which quite frankly are part of the liberal voting bloc in uh, inner city suburbs across this country, uh, are actually part of the problem in terms of how they vote. So this is a, an issue that I think is going to continue to drag, draw attention. Um, but without humility as to demonstrating what has it worked and here's how we're going to get this right going forward, I, uh, I don't think I'm as optimistic as Scott is. Is this actually going to turn the tide? Aaron Morrison, can this government actually get something done on housing? It hasn't, you know, actually getting results has not been their strength so far. And quite frankly, even though the public service has exploded in size, it seems like the civil service that drives government has forgotten how to do all the simplest things. Can anything actually be better next year? on the housing file. Yeah, I think you're hitting on something important there, Mark. This is a proof is in the pudding thing. Jamie and Scott are right that this is good communications, pulling together all the things that you've already announced into a single document so it feels more, more like a cohesive plan. Sure, that's good communications. But I don't think Trudeau's Liberal government has a communications plan problem. I think they have a housing cost problem. Uh, when when a starter bungalow costs $1.1 million in the GTA, a communications plan isn't going to help. And I think the second thing that is really going to plague Sean Fraser as housing minister, although I agree he's a great communicator, he's a bit of a bright light there, uh, but all the ideas that are going to uh, go you know, on the front few pages of this plan didn't come from Sean Fraser and they didn't come from his predecessor in the Liberal cabinet. They came from Jagmeet Singh. The housing accelerator fund, the rental top up, removing the GST from new purpose built rental housing. When you put it all, uh, you know, on a page in an itemized way, this doesn't look like a liberal housing plan. It looks like an NDP housing plan. So I guess the question is, can anybody actually do anything with the plan, no matter who wrote it? Uh, speaking of doing something, there is a, a piece of uh, property on Queen's Key on the waterfront in the city of Toronto. It is uh, a significant size. It's 9,600 square meters. It's a surface parking lot. You can look right at the edge of the Rogers Centre through the Gardner Expressway. It had been planned to become a city park. Those plans, for one reason or another, have been scuttled. The city's got $15 million, uh, Scott Reed. They want your ideas on what to do with this. We talked with the uh, BIA executive director, and he said, yeah, make it a nice park, but it also would be nice if there was something to do there that doesn't duplicate all the other little things we have to do on Queen's Key. What would you do with this piece of property? Well, first of all, I'm only going to charge $7.5 million, so I'd like to gain some praise for being economical and saving the city some cash. Um, look, I I don't know what the precise answer is, but I am positive uh, two things need to happen. One, a decision needs to be made promptly because they started a competition for this. Let's, you know, let's have like, you know, school children write in with what they think the Sky Dome should be renamed. Like, you know, uh, that started in 2018. Okay, so we need to make a decision promptly because we know it's going to take 10 years before they get anything done by the time they even make a decision as to what to do. Second of all, it's got to be living space. It's got to be shared living space. We're going to be packing a squillion people into that area. My son lives down there, like right down there. And I'm telling you, people need a place to stretch their legs, to take themselves if they have small children which we want we want people in larger size condos and apartment units so that you can actually have a middle-class family in these dwellings it's not just you know investor units and all that then you need people you need people to have a place to go and to something to do so it's got to be shared space don't like carve it into four sections and say part of it's going to be like you know 
shops at Queens Key and the other part's going to be parking and the other part's going to be commercial. And then we'll leave like some small scrap of the water fountain and a dog park that's the size of a postage stamp. Use it for shared space. Aaron Morrison, can you do cheaper than seven and a half million? <laughs> yeah, I'll be bidding against Scott for this one. Um, okay, so I, I love everything that Scott said, though. I think that makes a ton of sense. And if we want uh, a growing number of working families with children to be living in the downtown core, then we need to make it livable, usable space. Um, and I do agree that it has to go quickly. And I think, you know, what's happening right now at City Hall is Mayor Olivia Chow is just showing that she's going to take a different approach to development, uh, you know, um, than Doug Ford does, a different approach than he's taking uh, with the Therme lands uh, that, he's, that, you know, spas going up on at Ontario Place. Um, so, I mean, I think we're going to see an open approach. I think we're going to see, you know, public input go in. And I think we'll probably in the end see a space that's uh, publicly accessible. Jamie Ellerton, almost out of time, but both your uh, colleagues here have suggested housing there, which is our number one issue. The BIA had no interest in housing. Should it be housing? Yeah, I would actually turn this into a moneymaker for the city. I would sell off the land and look for bids that turn the ground floor podium of what could would be a tower into a City of Toronto run community centre under a long-term lease and build housing on top of it. I don't think uh, we need to put a thousand and one things there. There's lots of access right there to the lake and other amenities nearby. Uh, so let's build like a community centre that has like recreational facilities and the like in it uh, and hundreds of units on top. Interesting, interesting. But that would destroy the view of the edge of the Sky Dome and the highway, which apparently somebody wants to preserve for some God-only-knows reason. Aaron Morrison, Jamie Ellerton, Scott Reed will be back in just a moment when Smart Speakers continues when The Rush returns. You're listening to The Rush on News Talk 1010 Toronto. Asking the Honourable Member to apologize for the second time and retract that word. The Honourable Member knows full well you cannot use that word in this chamber. So this is the last, this is the last opportunity. The Honourable Member of Battle River Crowfoot, will you be retracting that? It's the truth. It's the truth. That uh, Conservative Member of Parliament, Damien Couric, being kicked out of the House of Calling, uh, Commons, pardon me, for calling uh, the Prime Minister a liar. And uh, that brings us back to our Smart Speakers uh, segment with Aaron Morrison, uh, Scott Reed, and Jamie Ellerton. Uh, Jamie, let's uh, start with you. Uh, there's a story in the uh, Star bemoaning the lack of civility in the House of Commons in question period particular and uh, statements in the House. Uh, that case uh, of Conservative MP being uh, named and, and removed from the House for lying. Even apparently U.S. President Joe Biden on a visit to Parliament heckled some Conservative MPs. Uh, former Rat Packer Sheila Kopp says in her day, uh, 40 years ago, they kind of went at it in the House, but they liked each other and sort of shared a bottle of wine out of the House. She says it's much more personal, much more nasty. As somebody who just watches from afar, I don't ever remember a time when MPs behaved well. Yeah, this feels like one of those evergreen stories, Mark. Uh, decorum in the House has always been a thing. It's kind of kind of funny to hear Sheila Coffs being the poster 
person asking for civility in the house given her own history on the matter i think it's definitely changed i know even if i go back to my time working on the hill 2004 to 2010 uh there definitely seems to be more of a viciousness to some of the attacks that go back and forth across the way uh, and frankly i think there's very little debate that actually takes place in the house of commons anymore everyone's there with their kind of pre-canned lines to deliver their script uh, so they can get the clip and push it out on social and what actually goes through the house of commons on a day-to-day basis is merely a formality i think the more parliamentary kind of exchanges and actual general genuine inquiry is probably left to committees these days. Scott Reed, uh, was it ever better than this or has it always been sort of an opportunity to grandstand, if not for social back in the day, at least for, you know, trying to hit the clip on the news? Well, I share everyone's cynicism and my God, <laughs> Sheila Copps being a, a trumpeting uh, decorum and uh, and an attachment to truthful uh, speech is hard to swallow off to tell you um, all those uh, colleagues of hers that 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 enthusiastically enjoy spending time with her I'd like to get a list of them because I don't recall them and I was there during those years I'll tell you a story though one time one one time former deputy prime minister herb gray had to fill in for the finance minister take his questions and house of Commons is back and sort of like maybe 93 94 something like that and in the course of answering a question he stood up in the house and he cited some fact he misstated the fact he sat back down afterwards when he came out he said how did i do filling in i said oh you were just fine sir blah 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 you did get this thing wrong he rushed back into the house of Commons, asked to speak on a point of order corrected the record i said i really they didn't think you need to do that. And he was absolutely livid with me and said, I just misled the house. I made an error and I'm conscious of it. And I therefore have an obligation as a parliamentarian to immediately correct the record, which I did. It's astonishing to me, young man, that you wouldn't think that I have that obligation. Imagine how foreign and removed that is from the culture of today where people will And this, I do think, is a change from at some point in the past, as a matter of routine political strategy, say things that they know to be untrue and repeat them and repeat them and repeat them in the hope that others will begin to believe those things. I don't think that happened always. I do think it happens now almost always. Aaron Morrison, is there any way to make it better or is it just a write off? Um, I don't know how to make it better. I wish I did. I agree that this is somewhat evergreen. Every crop of politicians says that, oh, back in my day, it was so, you know, congenial and we all, you know, had wine together after. And I don't think so. I I don't really think so. I think going back 30 years, uh, there was uh, plenty of heckle. There was plenty of heckle in every uh, parliament across the country. Um, But I think what's happened is that we've seen it really leave the building, leave the precinct. We've seen a convoy occupy Ottawa. We've seen political offices vandalized. We've seen politicians fear for their safety and the safety of their families. And I've worked for politicians who, uh, particularly politicians who are women and politicians who are racialized. um, And the rage that lands in their inboxes uh, that comes through their DMs every day is very real. The, the threats are very scary. So um, I think maybe what has changed is not so much the heckle, but the level of rage that some of these politicians are trying to stoke uh, with the public. Yeah, it's interesting. I remember listening to uh, uh, Preston Manning speak once, and I was never a big fan of him until I met him and had listened to him speak. And he bemoaned the fact that in the House of Commons, it was all performance theater. 
and the time when he saw members of parliament, uh, backbenchers get most engaged was late night when everybody had gone home except there was a, a debate, the whole, a whole committee of the whole or something over the allocation of parking spaces and people got involved and it was a <laughs> rational debate and people made good points but you know, big policy issues uh, everybody just towed the party line. Um, I sent around to you a, a piece by Sahil Bloom who is a guy that I uh, follow on a Substack, and every once in a while he's got something in here that gives me pause. He's kind of a motivational speaker. And his uh, piece is called The Best Ideas of 2023. He's got a whole bunch of different thoughts from uh, columns that he's written over the year. One of them, Scott Reed, is called The Surfer Mentality, and he points out that surfers know that they're going to spend 90% of their time paddling out or waiting or sort of waiting for the perfect wave, and then when they get on it, they know well enough to just enjoy the ride while it lasts without thinking too much about the fact that it's not going to last forever. Anything we can learn from that? Nope. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know you like this guy, Mark. I hate this garbage. I hate this internet. Pearls of wisdom plucked. Here's the thing you need to do. Make certain you tuck your children in at night and make certain that you press your clothes in the morning. And, you know, if you think like a surfer and enjoy every wave, then, uh, you know, it's a path to fulfill. Just give me, I hate all this new age, like uh, in a meme crap. I hate it all. I hate it all. Live your life and try to be truthful and decent. That's the way to go. All this is junk. Monetized Aaron, junk Aaron Morrison, on the internet. Are your children going to bed untucked? There, I am not going to give you anything different from what Scott said. <laughs> I hate this stuff. I think the days around New Year's are just like fortune cookie philosophy. Who doesn't and... love a fortune cookie? <laughs> if I have to read one more like Instagram post from you know some some 22 year old telling me how to live my life through meditation i can't i can't do it jamie uh, if you ellerton, want to make a new year's resolution make it small make it tiny 30 seconds jamie ellerton <laughs> will you surf with me uh i'm more of a scuba diver myself mark i think uh we've learned that scott's not big on ted talks and more bigger on scott rants uh, i think if you're looking for some ideas to end the year and start next year i'll, I'll plug uh, rory sutherland's book alchemy which is the uh, dark art of not taking life so literally and applying that to your both personal and professional life there you go a crop of curmudgeons aaron morrison lifetime political <laughs> strategist and principal at morrison communications jamie ellerton founding partner at canaptis and a longtime political strategist maybe that's the common denominator. Politics has ruined all of them. Scott Reed is the CTV political analyst, former advisor to Prime Minister uh, Paul Martin. My name is uh, Mark Tui. I did some penance in uh, politics uh, once. Now I'm guest hosting for Rush Minaire on The Rush, News Talk 1010. We'll stick around. The Rush will return after the news.